0: I just tweeted that I've been blind to my criticism and judgment towards frail, imperfect, often misguided human beings who are just like me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey, U-N-F-O-L-L-O-W-M-E. So for years, I've made a little side project of being... Critical of systems, mainly churches, people who run them in very unchristian ways, shall we say, as my computer dings. People who want these systems sustained in, we'll just say, unchristian ways. I think all of this sort of critique is good. I mean, wherever people gather, there will be jacked up people where I didn't draw the line and should have was I put some of these jacked up people in a bad category and even though I refer to myself as a bad Christian as well I actually inside deep inside eh, I was sure I was better than them Now, some people are doing some really bad things and should be removed from their positions, and it's obvious, but I found myself in a place where I was constantly sizing people up. I didn't know I was doing this. Are they really good? Are they genuine? Are they honest? And the answer to all those questions is never yes, but maybe, sometimes, usually, rarely, or some combination of those. So if we're going to put people in categories... If that's what I'm going to do, then where do I draw the line? I mean, doesn't everyone belong in like a bad category? Absolutely, yes. And for me, moving on. Yes, they belong in a bad category. All of us, moving on. So I want to stick with constructively criticizing systems, practices, and bad habits of individuals that many people have accepted these habits as okay and acceptable, even though they're far, far from it. But for me to size people up by putting them in like a certain good or bad category, man, I'd rather size them up with love. And before you think I'm just tossing that word love around frivolously, I think that there is some concrete ways of doing this when we size people up why don't we size people up with questions like how were they raised how was she abused what sort of guidance did he went without how did he become a person who was afraid to let people in why is she running so hard after things that can never satisfy what could he do to keep himself from running himself to the ground and all along reflecting on how I'd answer these questions about myself. I had a really hard time recently with how our church was handling a recent suicide of someone on our staff. I mean, little did I know at the time, our church was handling it pretty much exactly how they needed to because there truly was no official report at the time. Although I judged my church wrongly, and that's okay, that happens, I'm glad I was actually in error because it led to a great conversation with my therapist. I shared with her how disheartened I was with how our church seemed to be sweeping something under the rug, and I gave her an example of how someone specifically in high leadership seemed to have been avoiding the proper addressing of this. Again, I later found out that this wasn't the case, but she said, wait a minute, So, you're saying that leaders in your church have a hard time talking about suicide? Hmm. (laughs) And I was like, point taken. That is a hard thing to talk about, especially when it's up close and personal. Now, I won't get into all the details, but throughout that conversation, she humanized one of my leaders in a way that moved me to tears. Disarming me not only from having them on an unhealthy pedestal, but also from disarming me from sitting on a throne of judgment towards them. And all of this, all of this, all of this, I, I, I I want to size people up with love. And not a lazy love, but one that really does its homework on the complexity of human beings. Like I don't want to size people up with simple formulas, and when I disarm myself in this way, it's a whole new world, a joining of humanity, shall I say, its ugliness and its beauty. So the original purpose of these confession episodes was how I am part of an evangelical community while not really ascribing to much of the unique tenets of evangelicalism or what people see as evangelicalism. And what I just shared is a huge ingredient of how I am able to do this and is what allows me to explain what I'm about to share without a critical spirit, but out of conviction and a yearning for something better. At least I hope it's more along those heart lines. So I've been thinking that, well, I've actually had some conversations recently, how pastors still feel the need to be on a different level than the people they serve. I mean, you see it all the time. One pastor makes a mistake and in the limelight, instead of just flat out apologizing, he gives a little apology and then tries to make a lesson out of it for everybody to learn still from him. I mean, you see this when a pastor goes through something horrendous due to personal mistakes and they share their experience but they don't really share really what happened or shares struggles from two decades ago but what about two months ago now, i understand there could be some valid reasons for this in some circumstances but that's not what i'm referring to people in leadership positions and most of them i'm referring to is in spiritual leadership It's like they have to feel they're in the driver's seat of leadership. They have more answers. They have more insight. They have more authoritative power. And yet the God we serve was tortured and crucified, being stripped from all power. So we sometimes say we're transparent. Do you know how easy it is to say you're transparent and not be transparent? I mean, just because someone says they are doesn't mean they are. So remember the harlot throne or who was at the feet of Jesus and she was about to be stoned. Remember that? Remember all those leaders who were going to throw stones? But then when they were called out for their sins, they knew they had no choice but to drop their stones. And I wonder if they were a bit worried that this prophet, Jesus, could expose them right there on the spot. I mean, no one is without sin. And I feel like pastors these days may not be throwing the stones at people but they also won't drop the daggum stones and walk away from this illusion of being better and more holy. No one, no one is righteous. I mean, not not one of us, you know Paul said that. It's unhealthy for obvious reasons to live, try to live out this unattainable standard tainted with hypocrisy. It's unhealthy for followers who feel like they need to try to be like that, and that being an illusion. And then when their leader falls, followers are just like, what the hell just happened? What happened is they never were heroes, and this system of people needing a king is failing and failing big time. So I'll just share with you personally that as a pastor, I simply feel like I have an assignment to lead a church. That's it. And I take that seriously. I trust that God will guide me for sure, but I also trust that God will guide other people who are equally a part of the church that I'm a part of. When I had my mental breakdown last year and people rallied around me, it was hard for many and maybe surprising the extent of it, but shocked that their invincible, impenetrable, infallible pastor was down for the count. Oh, and when I got better, did I go back? a position of lording over a bunch of peasants, and actually my brokenness and healing just reinforce the narrative that when we are weak, he makes us strong. And that's not just for some of us, that's for all of us. And the day I have to hide that is the day that I stop doing what I do. So I have a specific and unique job that entails specific and unique responsibilities, but I am not this unique person and my level of strength, lack of brokenness, and lack of failures, just like every one of my brothers and sisters who are in the same family.